Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win it. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm your host, Kane Pittman, here on a Friday to wrap up the week. And we've got a special guest because, uh, listen, I, I'm just waking up over here in Australia, but some news breaking overnight. So the only man that I could bring in to tell us what could potentially be going on is the host of Locked on Kings and radio host over at Sports 1140KHTK in Sacramento, Matt George. How you doing, my friend? I'm doing well. I'm about to wrap up my day, and I'm looking forward to getting to bed. You just woke up, so I guess I'm a little jealous, but good luck on your day that's just starting. We're close to the weekend here. We're close to the weekend. Australian football playoffs are alive. There's four teams left. My team's still in it, so I'm a little bit excited to get to that game on the weekend. But I sent you a very late message here to ask you to come on because we're going to talk a bit about uh, a report that came out that suggested the Bucks could have some interest in Bogdan Bogdanovich, restricted free agents coming up here uh, whenever free agency starts, whenever the offseason starts. Who knows what's actually going on? Buddy Heald, I want to throw some questions to you about Buddy as well. But before we start, I've got to ask about our old friend, Jabari Parker. What, what, was, what was the Jabari Parker experience like for you in the two or three weeks that you actually got to see him uh, in, the, in the city? First off, nice guy. Uh, very nice guy. Unfortunately, had that incident where uh, he was out playing tennis in Chicago when he was supposed to be uh, resting and recovering from COVID-19. But that didn't end up blowing into a, a massive issue. He was able to join the team and, and play uh, in the bubble in Orlando. But uh, Jabari Parker, mostly uneventful which was interesting because we know the Kings have had a lot of interest in Parker over the years. And when we saw the trade happen uh, with Atlanta and Jabari Parker and Alex Len were coming back, everybody was saying, wow, Jabari Parker was the, the best piece to acquire in that move. And Alex Len is a, is a nice sweetener, especially with you getting off of Dwayne Dedman's money. So out of the two, Parker and Len were like, okay, Parker's going to be the one to get the playing time and the Kings need wing depth. And potentially he could be a, a great fit here and revitalize his career. He played all of a couple of games, and that was about it. And Alex Len came in because of the you know, the Kings and their issues with uh, their their health, uh, particularly at the center position. Alex Len came in and, and contributed massively, so he basically took the opportunity from Parker, and, and that was that. But we expect Jabari Parker to stick around. He has a $6.5 million player option. There's no way in hell he's not accepting that, in my opinion. Uh, so Jabari will most likely be a king unless he's traded. I don't hate it. He adds nice, nice depth, but overall uneventful. I will say this. It was, it was funny to me, and this feels like forever ago now, but you guys, uh, the Sacramento Kings were in Milwaukee at Fiserv Forum, and I was... Uh, at the pregame press conference for Luke Walton, and and I and it was around the period, as we know, when the season went down, uh, the trade deadline was just prior to that. And someone threw a Jabari Parker question and said, "Oh, is is Jabari in Milwaukee? Because obviously, there's a fair bit of interest every time he comes to town." And when I heard his name, I I, I was like, "What? He, he's a king now?" Because you know, some of these trades, there, there's a lot of trades flying through, and it, it completely. 
uh, skipped my mind that he was even a Sacramento King. So I was just laughing at, at the fact at the time. I was like, oh, wow, Jabari's a, Jabari's a Sacramento King now. Interesting. But I do agree with you. The $6.5 million seems a pretty attractive uh, option for him to take, particularly in this climate. And he's still only 25. I think this is the crazy thing about Jabari. I know he hasn't lived up to the expectations, certainly, that a lot of our listeners uh, had for him when he was drafted number two overall, but still only 25. I, I think there's a, there's a career there for him to carve out. I do think there is an opportunity for him to get some sort of rotational minutes with the Sacramento Kings next season, depending upon what they do with the two guys we're going to talk about today, Bogdan Bogdanovich uh, and Buddy Heald. Not that they play the same positions, uh, but with Monty McNair here now and bringing kind of that Houston Rockets style to the, the Kings front office with the amount of uh, times they like to play small. Maybe we'll see opportunities for Jabari Parker at the four or the five. The four is more his natural position versus playing him at the three, which I think he's just a little too big uh, and too slow for. It wouldn't shock me at all if Jabari Parker gets a rotational spot and some minutes here or there, just like it wouldn't shock me if he doesn't get any playing time. So I think there there is opportunity for him in Sacramento. What that opportunity is, though, we'll just have to wait and see. So before we dive into those two guys, the other thing I will mention, and I, I said this to you prior to we are starting to record here, but the Golden One Center, I got a chance to get there a couple of years ago. And I remember at the time on, on different podcasts and different platforms speaking about how beautiful that arena is and particularly the open layout. I love the fact when you walk in, uh, and I'm not sure how many entrances, but the entrance I walked in, you can see the court. It's wide open. It's absolutely amazing. I, I couldn't really recall being in a basketball arena like this. And at the time, Fiserv Forum was obviously being built. Now, Fiserv Forum is a beautiful arena in its own right. So we have that in common here. We have, we, have, we have some seriously nice arenas that we get to watch our teams play. Yeah, it's, it's the pride of Sacramento in a lot of ways. And, and the main entrance that you came in, it just overlooks the entire building. Uh, I mean, funny enough, my my. Uh, laptop screensaver is open right now and it is a picture of the the golden one center court uh and it it, it hurts honestly it hurts looking at it because i miss the building so damn much and we're now pre- approaching i think it was a year ago um the, the kings would have been eight days away from opening night so we're approaching that october november december time which is where the season's getting started and there's usually hope and optimism in sacramento during that period of time Plus, my favorite nights of the year are the cold winter nights when 17,000 people decide to get out of the rain and get out of the cold and head into the Golden One Center for a Kings game. And the one thing you can always count on from Kings basketball, even if the team is terrible and, and we know how bad they've been for the last 14 years, that building is almost always full and it's loud. Uh, so to not have that heading into these winter months and not knowing when it's going to return, it's, it's painful for a lot of us in Sacktown uh, where the Kings are not just the basketball team here. The Kings are a way of life. And I started as a fan growing up experiencing that in Arco Arena. But to see Golden One Center in downtown Sacramento, what it's already done for the city, what it's going to continue to do for the city, uh, it, it certainly is a great accomplishment here, a great achievement, a reminder of what we went through to keep the Kings here. Uh, and uh, it's a building that I can't wait to be back in with 17,000 Kings fans, hopefully very soon. I feel that, my friend, absolutely. Uh, Milwaukee, in a lot of ways, in a, in a similar uh, kind of space there for a while there where there, wasn't, there was uncertainty whether the Bucks were going to stay in Milwaukee as well. So I think, you know, I was always yeah, rooting for the Kings to, to stay in Sacramento, and I'm sure Kings fans the same with Milwaukee. I think uh, these markets generally stick together and enjoy, for the most part, when, when each other have some success and certainly are able to stick around. But 
Let's move. Uh, the one thing I, I will say, Matt, by the way, you mentioned the cold winter nights, and, and sometimes I'm guilty of this coming from Australia, but uh, our, our listeners over here will, will not take any of this cold winter night stuff, uh, talking about Sacramento in comparison to Milwaukee, I'll say that. I, hey, I understand. I understand. <laughs> I, I'm not necessarily complaining about the cold, more that those are the nights that I look forward to the yeah. most inside the Golden One Center. And I, I wish you would be able to get out to the Golden One Center. I wish a lot of fans... Yeah. Uh, get the opportunity to attend games at the Golden One Center, regardless of what team you root for. If you have an opportunity to come watch a Kings game at the beginning of the season, typically in the fall months where it's still warm outside, the massive entrance, their aircraft carrier doors and windows. So the windows actually open all the way up. So there is a breeze coming through the building uh, when it's not too cold outside. They're my favorite games of the year, typically right at the beginning of the year. And maybe if this NBA schedule starts to change and next season goes into the summertime, we'll get to experience that more. Uh, But that's one of the things we're we're spoiled and get to get away with here in California. But I will say, you're you're absolutely right about the comparison between the markets and and rooting for Milwaukee, Milwaukee rooting for Sacramento. I mean, there's a reason why I was so excited to watch Milwaukee this year, and I'm rooting so hard for them to maintain control of Giannis Antetokounmpo because we need small markets like Milwaukee, like Sacramento, like San Antonio to some extent. We need those those markets to succeed and be able to not only attract talent but be able to hold on to talent because the more talent that leaves to go to Miami or go to LA, or go to Chicago. No disrespect to those cities, but in my opinion, it it hurts the product for the rest of the league. It's good to see talent. That's why I'm so excited for the Kings to hopefully re-sign De'Aaron Fox. Not that he's on the level of Giannis Antetokounmpo, but to see talent want to stay in these small markets and give their all for these small markets and not be lured away by money in the shining lights of a big city, to me is a major win, uh, not only for the markets, but for the NBA. All right, let's talk business with Bogdanovich and Buddy Heald here. So Sham Sharania with The Athletic overnight. It was kind of just a a one-line mention here, but he said the Milwaukee Bucks are expected to be a strong suitor for Kings restricted free agent Bogdan Bogdanovich. So let's start there. Uh, What's the expectation around Bogdanovich heading into restricted free free agency? Uh, Is it dependent on what happens with Buddy Heald? Just give us a bit of a background of where... Uh, you, you as, as the Kings expert, feel that this situation lies right now. Yeah, Buddy and Bogey, what the Kings decide to do, it's completely dependent upon one another. And I wouldn't mm-hmm. get any one the edge over the other, even though Monty McNair seemed to praise Buddy Heald more than Bogdanovich in his introductory press conference. But we aren't sure if he was doing that because he genuinely loves Buddy Heald and wants Buddy to work here, which makes sense coming from the Houston system. Or... Is he aware of Buddy Heald's depleting value with every time Buddy Heald opens his mouth or likes an Instagram <laughs> post wanting to go to Philadelphia? Is, is, is McNair trying to bolster Buddy Heald's value by making it sound like the Kings don't want to move on from him? Bogdan Bogdanovich is interesting because if Vlade were still here, I'll, I tell you this for a fact, if, Bla- if Vlade were still here, the general manager of the Sacramento Kings, Bogdan Bogdanovich wouldn't be going anywhere. And I think the Kings would have matched any offer, no matter what, without batting an eye. I also feel that if Vlade were still here, Buddy Heald was likely gone, even if it means the Kings weren't getting a likely return. That was just my read on the entire situation. Now with McNair, it's all up in the air. And we don't know whether or not 
Bogdan Bogdanovich wants to return now that we've seen his his Serbian friends and counterparts in Vlade and Peja both leaving, and Nemanja Bjelica, who knows about his future here in Sacramento. So Bogdan Bogdanovich's situation is very interesting. It doesn't surprise me at all that a team like Milwaukee is interested in him because I think he could be a phenomenal asset for a team that's either trying to work their way to the playoffs or an established playoff team that's just looking for that boost and that experience off of the bench. Even though he doesn't have any NBA playoff experience overseas in Germany, playing for Fenerbahce, uh, he is very, very experienced, knows how to win basketball games, knows how to step up when it matters most. I think he would be an excellent fit in Milwaukee. I just don't know how that deal necessarily gets done because the Kings aren't going to let him walk for just a mid-level exception. Absolutely. I think that's the interesting thing on how this would play out. Would there have to be some sort of uh, situation where he is, the Kings do sign him and then and then the Bucks make a move there? I'm not 100% sure because I would agree. I mean, it makes no sense for the Kings. Uh, I mean, that's just not something you would do. You're talking about an extremely talented player on the wing. The one thing I'm curious about with Bogdanovich is his playmaking ability because I think from the Bucks' perspective, uh, they've had a bunch of guys that can shoot. Now, I will say Bogdanovich is a level up from some of the role players they've had that are basically out there to space the floor. But the one thing that they've consistently found over the last two postseasons is they need guard play and they need a playmaking ability, not necessarily that Bogdan's a guard at 6'6", but they need someone that can handle the ball, particularly in pick and rolls, can create offense. Uh, where does Bogdanovich lie in that space? That's what's interesting and so great about Bogey is he doesn't really shine in one particular area like Buddy Heald shines shooting the basketball. But Bogey is just a very well-rounded basketball player, at least on the offensive end. Defensively, he needs some work. He's not great. He's not horrid, uh, but he's certainly not the best there. But offensively, he can handle the basketball. He can run your offense if you need him to. He can also play off the ball. Uh, We've seen him hit some big shots from three-point range. He can be inconsistent scoring at times, and there are instances which I don't know how much to blame him and how much I blame Luke Walton's Sacramento offense to where he would dribble the air out of the ball and and spend almost 14, 15 seconds of the shot clock just dribbling and, and trying to get a good shot or trying to find an open teammate, and there was just nothing there. So he has issues with that. But overall, a very well-rounded player, definitely a playmaker, someone who could come off the bench and really run the offense for Milwaukee uh, if Bledsoe was out of the game or if you weren't running through Giannis or Middleton. Uh, Also, Bogey can complement those three players. Uh, If he's playing at the two guard, the three spot, maybe even the point guard, he's just a very versatile, well-rounded player, also an extremely smart player. So wherever the Bucs need Bogey to fit, he'll fit. So this is the interesting thing with Milwaukee for Bucks fans would be curious because a lot of the talk has been, well, as with the rest of the league, you need to find opportunities where you can play Giannis at the five and play in those lineups. I'm just looking at his uh, position splits uh, on cleaning the glass here. So this year, Bogdanovich played 52% of his time at the two guard and 48% at the three. So he is a guy, as you sort of pointed to, he can move up and down the lineup. The one thing that's that's interesting when I look at his profile, just his uh, offensive profile, as far as uh, wings go, his assist percentage, he's in a, in a high echelon here, 19.8% uh, assist percentage in 2018-19 and then 18.4% this year. So uh, from from the numbers, and this is based off the numbers, he looks like a guy that is is relatively reliable with the ball in hand. He's not a guy that's going to be turning the ball over. He can create offense for other players. 
Yes, 100% yes. He's a smart basketball player. Uh, he can run an offense. He can get up and down the floor, maybe not as fast as guys like De'Aaron Fox, but he can push the tempo if needed. He's great at running half-court offensive sets. It was interesting when the Kings made the trade about two-thirds of the way through the year, uh, or not the uh, trade, rather the move uh, to bring Buddy Heald off the bench and start Bogdan Bogdanovich at the two, you would think, okay, playing next to De'Aaron Fox, you're kind of kind of space the floor and hang out more on the perimeter. But Fox and Bogdanovich shared a lot of the floor general point guard role at times. And, and there'd be plenty of instances where Bogey himself was the guy bringing the ball up the floor with Fox playing off the ball. And then we even saw instances of Bogey and Buddy on the floor at the same time, and Bogey was still that primary uh, primary ball handler role. So yes, he, a very efficient player, capable of running the offense, very smart, uh, can have a game where he only has three assists, but should have had eight if shots were falling. Can also have a game where he has nine assists in, in, a, in 20 minutes. It just depends on how the shots are falling, but he is a smart player. He helps his teammates, makes his teammates better, and is also not afraid to take the big shot when needed. All right, last one before we move on to Buddy Heald. Just looking at his three-point shooting numbers, as you mentioned, at times can be a little bit streaky, but the thing that stands out to me, uh, overall, 7.3 three-point attempts per game. That's high volume. We know that. 37% overall. 40% on catch and shoots, but only 28% on pull-ups. And when you look at the, the this is the NBA.com tracking data here, uh, two dribbles, 21%, three to six dribbles, 27%. Is this, is this a consistent trend with him? He's, he's a great catch and shoot three-point uh, marksman, but off the dribble has some struggles. Yes, and a lot of those threes that he takes uh, off the dribble are late in the shot clock, like when I said he, he dribbles the air out of the ball. Yeah. He'll take a lot of mid-range jumpers like that, take a lot of three-point jumpers like that, typically trying for a step-back move. He basically, what he's trying to do is what Luka Doncic does so well, but he just struggles to make the shot. You know, Luka creates his own shot with that yeah. step back or just with a, a, craft, a crafty sidestep to, to either angle just to get himself a, a little bit of space to get a shot off. Bogey tries to do the same at times. He just doesn't hit that shot as consistently. But when he's standing on the wing, standing at the top of the key, uh, standing in the corner and there's a player like De'Aaron Fox or Giannis Antetokounmpo attacking the basket, kicking out to him. He is, for the most part, a reliable shooter. Now, there are nights where he is going to be a blistering nine for nine from three-point range and could score 30 points. And then the very next night, he could score two points in, in 23 minutes and shoot one of one of seven. It's just that is who Bogdan Bogdanovich is, and it can be frustrating at times, but typically in the big moments, he steps up. He is more consistent in when games are on the line or in the fourth quarter than he is at any other time. All right, let's move on to Buddy Heald here. Now, listen, I mean, the numbers are good for this guy. This is just looking purely at his overall stats, played 30 minutes a game in 1920, nearly 20 points per game. And we know he's a great shooter, high 30s there, 39%. I guess my first question with Buddy Heald would be that, as an outsider, most of the news I hear about the Kings over the last few years without, without uh, you know, causing any unnecessary frustration here is uh, problems within the, the front office or problems with the players on the court. And Buddy Heald, for, for better or worse or rightly or wrongly, seems to have been pigeonholed into this guy that has become a, a problem for the Kings. Is that, is that fair? Is that fair to put that on Buddy Heald? Partially, yes. I don't think it's fair to put it all on, buddy, but I will say, and, and this I should hopefully tell you and your listeners everything you need to know, I'm done with the guy. 
Like I, I've, I'm to the point where I recognize his talent. I even recognize how good of a fit that he could be in Sacramento. But the problem is he has to want to be that fit. He has to want to be that role, and he doesn't. From the second Buddy Heald got paid, he looked at himself the same way or and, and, and feels that he deserves the same amount of praise, the same amount of attention, the same amount of commitment from the team as De'Aaron Fox does or as Giannis would in Milwaukee. That is Buddy Heald's mindset. And, you know, I admire the mindset to some capacity because you have to have that kind of mindset to be successful and to be a star. The problem is Buddy Heald can't be a star unless he's playing his role. It's his role that got him paid. It's his role, which is that shooting nearly 50% from uh, in, in catch-and-shoot threes in 2018-2019 and close to 50% even the year before that. That is what got him the contract that he has. And make no mistake about it, Buddy Heald is one of the best top five three-point shooters in the NBA today. And we know how important the three-point shot is. So there is definitely value with Buddy Heald. It's between the head, or it's between the ears, his noggin. It's what's going on inside his brain that is his ultimate problem. And I'm really trying to not bash on the guy because not all of the King's problems are his fault, but he hasn't done himself any favors by publicly complaining, by pouting on the bench, by having an attitude with the media, attitude with his teammates, attitude with his coaches. He didn't like Dave. Dave Yeager. He was one of the major reasons why Dave Yeager was fired. Luke Walton's brought in. He says he likes Luke Walton to start. Now he's saying he doesn't like Luke Walton anymore and won't return Walton's phone calls. At some point, you have to recognize what's the consistent problem here. And Buddy Heald is definitely a consistent part of that problem. So where does the frustration come from? Is it simply De'Aaron Fox, Bogdanovich, uh, this year, I guess, Corey Joseph to a, to a lesser extent? Is it, is it just the fact that he thinks he should have the ball in his hands uh, at all times? Is that where it comes from? Kinda. I, he does think that he should have the ball in his hands. I wouldn't say at all times because I don't. I'm not. I don't think Buddy Heald is a selfish player. Yeah. And also, I want to make sure it's perfectly clear. Buddy Heald's a great guy. Like he's not hated in that Kings locker room. I would never ever say that Buddy Heald is a cancer to that Kings locker room. That's just not the case. He and Bogdan Bogdanovich have a fantastic relationship. He and De'Aaron Fox, as far as I know, have a great relationship. I don't think there is anybody. If I asked every single person in that locker room off the record hey, tell me how you really feel about Buddy Heald. They'd say, what are you talking about? Like, we like Buddy Heald. He is a very likable, kind of cheeky, fun guy. But it's this new attitude, this idea that he is Kobe Bryant. He wants to be like his hero, Kobe, but that's just not his game. He could be an absolute star if he played like J.J. Redick if he played like Clay Thompson without the defense, if he bought into his role the same way Duncan Robinson did with the Miami Heat. Look how damn good Duncan Robinson was with Miami. Buddy Heald can be better if he buys into his role, but he's not interested in that. He, has, he, he desires the title. He desires the recognition because he's getting paid. It's not like he's not getting paid. He's getting a fat contract to potentially play a bench role. Like that, you're stealing money at that point by what the NBA is concerned or from the outside perspective. But Buddy Heald wants to be in the starting lineup. He wants to have his name in lights. He wants to be considered as not the, he doesn't want to be guy number B, option two in Sacramento. I said guy number B, I meant guy letter B. <laughs> he wants to be, if De'Aaron Fox is 1A, Buddy Heald wants to be 1B. 
or one uh, uh, B. He wants to be the number one guy with De'Aaron Fox. So I kind of stumbled over my words there. But overall, to, to put the point out there, Buddy Heald is not a selfish guy, but he cares too much about the title and has almost forgotten what got him paid and what got him to the position that he's in. So before we wrap this up, I'm, I'm going to ask you if there is any type of interest or any type of trade that would even make sense with Milwaukee or for, for what you guys uh, may need with the roster. But before I even bother getting to that point, um, just from what you've just said and how you've sort of explained the situation with Buddy in Sacramento, is there, is there a situation where you could see that Buddy would feel comfortable in, in that space as the second or third option? Because I, I think clearly anyone else and, and, you know, Philadelphia, who knows what would happen there. I think they are certainly a team that has potentially the, the best assets to make a trade happen. But as far as Milwaukee go, when I picture Buddy Heald playing for the Bucks, I say, okay, well, yes, he would start. The Bucks need a guard. They need a guy that can have the ball in his hands. They need a guy that can create his own shot. Uh, obviously a, a lethal catch and shoot guy like Buddy Heald, but he would still be the third option behind Giannis and Chris Milton. Is that in a different situation in a different city is it is he the type of guy that you believe would be would be okay with that scenario or do you think that this is something that will translate wherever he goes i said this on locked on kings i said this on locked on bulls locked on 76ers and now i'm saying it on locked on bucks i feel that buddy healed needs to go to a place where it is clear to everybody including him that he's not the number one guy he needs to go to a 76ers squad where he is clearly behind ben simmons uh, and Joel Embiid. He needs to go to a Milwaukee where it is clear. There's no way Buddy Heald can think in his mind that he's on the same level as Giannis Antetokounmpo. I don't think Buddy Heald is that selfish. Now, maybe he has the confidence in himself that he can be efficient and maybe get to that point, but there's no way Buddy Heald thinks he is better or equal to Giannis Antetokounmpo. If he does, he's an absolute fool. So to answer your question in kind of a roundabout way, yes, I think Buddy Heald can go to an established playoff team, be great, buy into his role if it's perfectly clear to him that he's not the number one guy. And and if he does go to Milwaukee, it's going to be up to Giannis. It's going to be up to Middleton because it's not going to be from the coaching staff because Buddy doesn't really listen to coaches. We've, We've figured that out over the last couple of years. It has to be his teammates that say, look, dude, you could be the difference between us winning a championship or not winning a championship. But let's be very clear. You work for us. You play behind us. I'm going to help you get a lot of shots from the perimeter because I'm Giannis freaking Antetokounmpo and everybody's going to be paying attention to me. But if I want the ball, you better give it to me. And you better stand out on the perimeter and and make sure my paint is clear. That is what I think needs to happen for Buddy Heald to really buy in to his role. But if he does, like I said, he can be a better version of Duncan Robinson and he can be an absolute uh, difference maker on a championship team, in my opinion. Fascinating stuff. Fascinating stuff. That's kind of where I sit on it. And that's why I think both of those guys, uh, I, I would be very high on the, the Bucks acquiring. Uh, clearly, I, I do think even though the Bucks don't have tradable assets, I do feel that maybe it's still more likely than Bogdanovich just because of the restricted free agency situation it complicates things a little bit. Where, as, as you look and you said yourself, you, you're kind of done with Buddy. I won't, I won't throw trade scenarios at you. That's kind of ridiculous. It's not really, it doesn't really make a lot of sense. But as you sit here for Buddy Heald, where do you think the best deal lies? What team are you looking at uh, for uh, acquiring something sizable for Buddy Heald? Who, as you said, sure, things aren't working out there, but one, one hell of a talent. 
I think Philadelphia makes the most sense because yep. they're desperately looking for someone like him. And I think in terms of a team that has high expectations, wants to win right away and knows that they need a shooter, they might be willing to give up a little bit more for Buddy Heald. Now, what does that look like? It probably means you're either getting Tobias Harris or Al Horford and their massive contract in return, but can you also get a draft pick out of them? Could you also get a piece like Matisse Thibel out of them? Uh, that is That makes a lot of sense. I, I talk with the guys from Locked On Bulls. I really like the idea of potentially acquiring uh, Otto Porter Jr. and either a, a player or a pick from Chicago because Otto Porter's going into the final year of his contract. Even though he's way overpaid, it's only for one year versus Buddy Heald, who's about to start four years of a pretty significant payday. Uh, if I'm looking at the Milwaukee Bucks roster, I don't know how the money works out uh, but players that I'd be interested in if I were Sacramento, uh, I mean, I, I'm assuming, of course, Giannis is untouchable. I'm imagining <laughs> Chris Middleton is untouchable, even though I love Middleton. Uh, Brooke Lopez would potentially be a great fit in Sacramento. I don't know what he's making or how that would work out. Not too much interest in Wesley, uh, Wesley Matthews, maybe a little bit in Dante DiVincenzo as kind of a sweetener. Uh, no need for Eric Bledsoe. The only reason why the Kings would want to acquire Eric Bledsoe is to make sure Fox doesn't have to play him because for some reason Bledsoe always plays really well against De'Aaron. Um, <laughs> I, I, just, I don't personally see how a deal would get done for either Bogdanovich or Buddy Heald with the Bucks, but I do feel that either Buddy Heald or Bogdan Bogdanovich would be a great asset for the Bucks to get. So from Milwaukee's perspective, if I were the Bucks, I'd be trying to find out a way to make it work. I just don't think Sacramento has much interest. Yep, no, I feel like we're kind of on the same page there. I think any trade package for Buddy Heald would have to, just because of the Bledsoe situation, would have to include Brook Lopez, Dante DiVincenzo, perhaps a pick there as well. So I guess we'll see how this all plays out. But uh, again, I have to say this was on very late notice, but I, I really appreciate you jumping on. This was a lot of fun. I'm always able to jump on. Love what you do. Keep up the fantastic work there with uh, Locked On Bucks, and I appreciate you having me on. And then to make it clear one more time, I know Buddy Heal will never listen to this, although he knows how <laughs> I feel about him. Uh, but I'm not trying to bash on the guy, and I really think Buddy Heald can be a great player and a great fit in Milwaukee and Philadelphia, wherever he goes. I just think his days of of being a good player and a good contributor and, and his, his time in Sacramento, to me, uh, is coming to an end. That's Matt George. You can hear him over on Locked on Kings or listen. I mean, you, everyone's got the radio online app. You can catch him on Sports 1140 KHTK in Sacramento as well. Matt, again, appreciate you taking the time. Uh, it's good to catch up with you. And for all our uh, listeners out there, it is the weekend. We've made it. Stay safe out there. Whatever you do, I'm sure big Packers game this week. I'm sure everyone over there is pretty excited to watch Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady. But stay safe. We'll catch you guys next week. 